0: Good morning, Familia everybody awake? All right. We don't have to do jumping jacks? No, okay. We're good. We're good. I got a lot of pressure on me. You know why? Holly Holly was back there. She goes, okay, we need a good sermon now. Better preach. I was like, oh, pressure, pressure. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we want to thank you. We want to praise you. We want to give you glory and honor. We ask that you would speak to all of us, Lord, because we're here for your purpose and for your glory. We ask that you would help us to be the church you need us to be, want us to be, free, so that everybody might know you, and God, praise your holy name. And the church of God said, amen. amen. Do me a favor, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. All right. All right. When you're there, say amen. All right, three people are there. Okay. There you go, four. If I were to ask you, what does church look like for you? I would probably get what? Probably 100 different answers, right? You'd all be like, oh, church for me is worship. We had great worship today. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We did. Oh, no. Worship for me is great teaching. Cool. No, worship for me is the fellowship part. You know, I love being together with God's people. Or service. I love just serving, you know, or sharing the gospel. Whatever thing you think it is, it's not just one of those things. It's all of those things. Amen? Now, remember I told you this joke about the guy who was alone on the island, right? Remember that joke I told you about? He was alone on the island, and after a couple years, he finally gets rescued. A helicopter just happened to be flying by, and he sees him, lands, picks him up. Crew chief is like, so how long you been on the island? Oh, a couple years, I think. By yourself, yeah. He goes, well, if you're by yourself, why are there three huts? He goes, well, one was my house and one was my church. He goes, and what's the other one? He goes, oh, that's my old church. <laughs> right? That's kind of like some of us do that, right? You know, oh, I don't, I don't like that church anymore. I don't like that. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here. We call that in, the, in the, our world, we call that transfer growth. They just leave that church and then move over here, and all of a sudden, that church is big or bigger. Why? Because everybody who was complaining about that church came to this church. We're kind of like, yeah. All we did is really inherit other people's problems because you didn't deal with it. See? We want to build a good, healthy church. Amen? We've been working here for a couple months. I don't know if you've gotten it. The vision team is here, right? The vision team is kind of being the point of the spear for the rest of the church because we're trying to do something to, in a sense, say, okay, God, what do you want us to do? And we're going to seek that and accomplish it. Part of what you're going to learn today is part of that, okay? You're asking, well, what's the vision team been doing? Well, I'm gonna show you a little bit. How many guys remember this? Anybody guys remember this? Remember? On a Wednesday night, Dr. Daryl Farney introduced us to this. Well, basically, guess what? I'm gonna line this out today. We're gonna show you how we're gonna accomplish it according to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 47. So if you're there, all right? Here we go. Developing one mission, right? a church on mission. I put Chicago back there because everybody recognizes us with that city. There's three and a half million people there. When you include the suburbs, somewhere between eight and 10 million. That's a lot of people. When I pastored in Chicago, I did a two-mile radius just from my church. Could you guess how many people I had within two miles of my church in the city? Anybody want to guess? Not bad. Multiply that times four, I had 188,613 people within a two-mile radius of just my little church. That's bigger than some towns here, amen? And that's just the neighborhood, okay? That was two miles going any direction. Wall-to-wall people. Kind of like what's happening here. So we're going to think about what does a good healthy church look like and a good healthy church should accomplish four things and those are the four things that we are going to i'm going to share with you and they're going to become our values they're going to become our why why do we do what we do because the mission is to what anybody know the mission is to make disciples amen matthew 28 19 and 20 make disciples and until christ comes back that is the one thing we're called to do We're not called really to worship. We're not called really to anything else except to do what? Make disciples. I'm so excited that our children are going to learn to make disciples. They're going to do the first step of evangelism and everything else. But that's what the mission is. I've always heard this saying. I don't know if you guys ever heard it say it. Oh, we're a church on mission. Anybody ever hear that? No? Very popular saying. Church on mission, church on mission. Oh, we're on mission, we're on mission. And I'm like, really? Really? You think you're on mission? So we're going to be a church on mission. I'm going to show you why, okay? So again, open up your books, Acts chapter 2, beginning verse 37. Here's the first thing that I want you to know. Now, I'm going to bounce around in the text because I'm going to show you how we're going to do it. But all these principles are found here, okay? Principle number one, or point number one, number one, love God is one. We're going to love God as one. That is our act of worship, okay? There it is. You can't see it, but it's that top circle up there. That's our first value, love God as one. Yeah, we should have made that bigger, okay? We're going to love God as one. Look at verse 42, 43, and 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers and all Came upon every soul and wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And then verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. They devoted themselves. Think about this. 3,000 new believers committed themselves. They came for Pentecost that was happening there. And as they stood there and they got filled, right? Peter got filled and the apostles got filled. Peter preaches a sermon. And 3,000 come to know Christ. Now, imagine this. Prior to this 3,000 coming to know Christ, there was only about 120 disciples. Okay? They were the ones in the upper room. They were there at the cross. They're basically the size of this congregation right now. We're about 120 on an average. So imagine this church. Thank you. All right? Blowing up and becoming 3,000. And that's what happened. These people were Gentiles, that came from all over the Roman province, and they came to celebrate the Passover. You know who the Passover lamb was, remember? This is just 40 to 50 days after, and these people represented every known country from the Roman Empire. So think about it, all the way from the tip of Spain to Israel. Now, you're like, oh, what is big deal? What does that mean? What do you care? Anybody know what happened in Genesis 11? Come on, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, right? But prior to that, if you look at Genesis 10, there's a table of nations. They call it the table of nations. And there's 70 to 72 nations that God says, hey, I'm going to split you up because of your disobedience. And he separates them. Now, all of these people are coming back here. Right? Look at this. Just my, my thinking here and understanding here. God is calling them back. How many have ever seen Luke chapter 10? There were 72 disciples that were sent out. Remember these guys? You're like, what? where did these guys come from? What did they do? My belief is they were sent out to the nations. Look at um, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. I'm only going to give you the first two or three. And after the Lord appointed 72 others, he sent them out ahead of them, two by two, into every town and place he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst the wolves. This is what I believe in. Christ sends them out, right? Right? They go out, then towards the end of this, the, his ministry, they're all back there right now. And they're ready to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just putting two and two together, but if I got a table of nations that's 72, and I got 72 over here that are being sent out, I'm going, now I know why God sent these 70 to 72 guys out. Is to bring back everybody that are his. The apostles' teaching. Look what they did. They stood there and like, okay, God, we need to learn. Now we have three thousand new people. They took the next step and came to Christ, but now what are they learning? Little did they know they had to be taught and how to grow. What it is that Christ did for them. Hey, we heard you preach. Now what is it we got to do? This is what they were doing. Christ was, um, the apostles were teaching all of those new, new people. Every type. This was the goal. We had to love God as one. Okay? Why? You don't even believe this, but Satan didn't wait. He attacked the church right away with false teaching. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of John The book of Galatians, what is that? That's there to refute the Judaizers, the Gnostics, and they were there to say, come on. This is what you have to learn. This is who Christ is. He really came in the flesh. He really died for us. Now we want to worship him, right? Not only with that, just by knowing him, but look at verse, I think it's verse 44. It says there, the breaking of bread, that the That definite article, and we did it today, was focusing on communion. And they were like, hey, we're going to tell you what Christ did. He died for us. Now, this is what we're celebrating him. And then it says, and the prayers, okay, specific prayers, having a time of prayer with the early church. Hey, this is how Christ taught us to pray. Our Father who art in, hallowed be thy, right? Don't you think Matthew 5 was then transported to Acts chapter 2 and said, hey, this is how he taught us to pray. We're going to teach you now how to pray. And that was just the ritual things they did every Sunday. But look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. We're called to worship with psalms, hymns, and prayers. That's what the early church did. I'm going to give you this example, Psalm 100. It says this, make us, what? A joyful noise to the Lord all the earth serve the lord with gladness come into his presence with singing know that the lord he is god he's the one who made us and we are his we are the people of his sheep the sheep of his pasture we're to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him bless his holy name i don't know about you man but sunday mornings i'm excited about coming and being with all of you and giving god praise and glory for the whole week. Because he got me through it. Amen? There's been some stuff happening. If you haven't realized, there are hard things happening with people here. People sick. People dying. I was sharing with Pastor Dell. That's Jesus there. Okay? In, in my ministry as a chaplain, in the last eight weeks, I've had six people killed. Killed. My head is on a spin because I'm being pulled all over and my heart is broken. Remember, I told you about one Marisol. The only thing we could praise God is she came to know Christ. So she's praising him way better than us right now. Amen? This is how we should be. And I, I just, I, I don't get it, church. Think about all that God has done for you, and then I dare you to keep your mouth shut. Cubs are winning, White Sox are not, so all the Cubs fans are like, yes! But you go to a Cubs game, and you can't keep your mouth shut. You're going to act a fool. Christ is greater than all of that, and then we stay silent. I had a lady this week. We are doing day of prayer on Thursday, right? National Day of Prayer. I had to be at work, so we did it over there. And one of my friends, a great lady in the Lord, she came up to me and she asked me for forgiveness. I said, why? Why are you going? She goes, I felt the Holy Spirit telling me to kneel. And because I thought about how everybody would look at me, I didn't do it. Isn't that true, right? Come on, please. If this is if this is convicting you, amen. If it's not, pay attention. She goes, I, I, I disobeyed. I said it's okay. Ask for forgiveness. She goes, yes. But isn't it even in church, right? You're wondering what your friends and your neighbors and the people sitting next to you, what do they think? Because if I lift up holy hands, oh, they're going to think I'm a holy roller. Oh, my gosh. You'll be called worse things, right? We're called to give them praise, church. This is all great. And praise God, we have talented people that can lift them up with instruments and bring us into the courts of praise. But how about if we had none of this? Would you still praise him? I mean, would you lift up your voice and give thanks? Now, I'm not good at singing, you know, but thank God that God said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, not a good noise to the Lord, right? So I sound sometimes like a cat, but it's like, yay, praise God. Thank God we got you and Luke, right? Because they can lead us into God's presence, and that is the purpose, to praise him right now. For what he's done in the past, what he's done today, and what he's going to do tomorrow. I don't know what he's going to do tomorrow, but according to what he's done in the past and what he's done today, I know that he's faithful, so therefore, I'm going to do what? Praise him. I'm going to give him glory. I'm going to give him honor. Why? Because this is what the church is called to do. We enter his praise with cantilevering, and when we do that, look what happens. Then look at verse 43. The awe of God came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. This is the word phobos, where we get the word phobia from, right? They literally walked in, and as they were worshiping, and they saw signs and wonders, man, they were like, we are not alone. God is in the room, and there was a, an awe and a respect. We get the word awesome. God is the one that's awesome. Do we do that? I mean, could you imagine if you walked, wouldn't it be beautiful that people are driving by and they drive by and they're like, man, there's something happening there. They come into the parking lot and they park and they already, the Holy Spirit meets them over there, draws them in. And when they enter, you're like, man, I just got to give God glory today. I got to kneel. I got to worship. I, I have to tell God, thank you for everything you've been doing and are doing and will do because you're worthy You are worthy. When we get to heaven, the mission will be complete. We will enter the wedding supper of the Lamb, right? Then we're going to go and have a worship concert that the universe has never seen. Okay? Stars and everything else is going to give him glory. You won't be able to keep your mouth shut. I was thinking about my friend Marisol who went to be with the Lord. And it was so true. I learned this and I want to share this with you. I don't know if I did last week or last time. But my friend Marisol right now is in front of God going, hey guys, do you see him? He's like, that's him. And Christ is like, yup, it's me. And what would you do? Could you keep keep your mouth shut? Or would you be like freaking out going, oh, my God, it's him, it's him, it's him. Do you see them? And the angels are going, yes, we know. We're always before him. She is alive right now. I get to be with Marisol in one sense. When I begin to praise God, I enter God, and Pastor Dell, you said it. We enter his courts with praise. He inhabits the praises of our lips. The only way that me, we, Marisol, and all the angels could be together in the same place at the same time is when we enter into praise. Think about that. We come into God's presence. We worship him. We give him glory and honor. The only thing is that Marisol is in the front row and we're all the way in the back row because we're seeing him from here. But when we come together, man, It's going to be amazing, and it is amazing. Who knows? That concert might last at least a thousand years, right? Let's call the millennium, people, right? So we enter. That's the first thing we enter is courts where praise, because we're going to love God as one. That is our act of worship. That's our first value. I can't wait to see us all of us be worshiping and in spirit and truth. Okay. Value number two. Okay. Live life together. This is discipleship and fellowship. Verse 42 and 44. The fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers and all who believe were together and had all things in common. Fellowship. This is the word we get. Konania. How many have ever heard of this word? Konania. Right. You've heard of that word. Right. It's not simply just hey, we're hanging out together and watching the bears lose. All right. Sorry. Okay. Love bears. You know it's not just about hanging out and having food together. It's about being together in God's presence and being interconnected. Think about it. All right. This was about doing life together. Doing life together. And that's our second value. Live life together. We're going to Push this. We want you to know this. We're going to do life together. We're going to live life together. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we're the ones that are going to be like, come on. This is why it's so critical that you be part of a life group, okay? Because we want to be interconnected, okay? It's not just, hey, let's hang out and watch a game. It's no, it's about, hey, what's going on in your life that I could bless you with? What's going on in your life that I could bless you with? Hey, this is how you could bless me. And we are together. We're participating together. We are doing things together. Could you imagine a church that really loved one another, forgave one another, cared for one another? Come on, We just didn't spend the last couple of months teaching that so that we could, oh, what are we doing on Sunday? There's a purpose and an intent in everything you're going to hear from this pulpit in the next six to eight months. Why? Because we're going somewhere and we know where God is leading us. Our lives as believers are meant to be with one another. Okay? Again, forgive one another, love one another, care for one another, bear with one another. All right? The problem in the room is sometimes and literally, <laughs> Pastor Dell made a joke about it, but it really isn't a joke, is that you guys come here on Sunday And as soon as the bell rings, boom, you're gone. Like, no, 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 no. Hang out. Get to know your brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? You know that the people around you, if you just got to know them, you might actually like them. (laughs) They're not bad, right? They're pretty good, yeah. Think about it. The world to the right or to your left, behind you, in front of you, just pick a direction and say hello. Hey, how are you doing? Want to take me to lunch? You know, just ask them, right? I know you ever thinking I wanna, I'm, I'm ready to lunch right? You're, you're thinking about it right now. How about don't go alone. Invite somebody, that couple that sits two rows from you, and they're kind of like the age, same age group you are, or maybe they're younger or older, right? And you're like, "Hey, come on, let's go get a burger, a cup of coffee. I'd want to know you and get to know you." That's what we're called to do. So please do me a favor. Don't walk out of here okay, and be alone. You're not meant to live life alone. When you become part of, become part of the body of Christ, we're meant to do life together. This is what the body is. This is what those of who are the church who have been called out of darkness is so that we could be together. This is what we're going to do. We're going to live life together. Ready? Number three. We're going to give, or we're going to ask you to give your life away. We're going to ask you to give your life away in service and ministry. Verses 44 through 46. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing all the proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. All who believed were together. Now, could you imagine a church, honestly, that liked being around each other? Come on. Hopefully, that is what we are becoming. That is, I know we are, but we need to do it in a greater sense, okay? They had all things in common. Think about it. Again, 3,000 new people just joined the church, and this group of 120 now has to try to serve the next 3,000. Okay? Like, hey, where are we going to put them? Oh, hey, um, hey, Dave, can you take four? Kurt, can you take five? You know? Hey, Dad, Del, how many room you got in your house? You know? And it was like, hey, these are our new brothers and sisters in Christ. We got to love them. We got to take care of them. We got to serve them. Oh, and by the way, they have gifts too. Luke's out of worship today. But guess what? We got Kenzie and everybody else here. And they're just doing their thing. Now, this is how you're going to give your life away. They were selling all their possessions and belongings, the students, all who had need. This wasn't communal living, okay? People, and I have to say this because this is kind of a hot topic now. Oh, you see, the Bible proves that, communion living, right? Remember how in the 50s and 60s, like, no, in the 60s and 70s, there was this term called the hippie, and they would all learn and live together, and they were like, hey, this is, we just share and share alike. Yeah. Not really, okay? Remember, Peter and John didn't walk up to the 3,000 disciples and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We want you to sell all your stuff because if you don't, I'm going to stab you. Okay? They didn't say that. No, they didn't do that, right? That's communism, okay? This was, this was and is the church of Christ saying, hey, I'm going to freely give. This is mine, but I'm going to give it to you. Are you hungry? I'm going to feed you. Do you need clothes? I'm going to take care of you. you need a roof? I got you. All right? And they did this, and they served one another. If you don't believe me, look in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, Anita rose, right, in the church. And the apostles needed to do what they needed to do. Hey, we need to dedicate ourselves to teaching and to prayer. But the women over here need to get fed. So who's going to come up? And six or seven brothers rose up, Stephen being one of them. You know the story. First ever ministry out of the church. Soup kitchen. Here we go. We need to feed our moms and dads who need help. And they found good people that could do that. This is what we're calling you to do. We're not asking any one person to just sit here. Everybody here has a gift that if you don't use it, you lose it in one sense. How are you going to give God glory just sitting there. No. We need you not only to praise, okay? We need you to serve. Give your life away. Give it away. Look at, think, look at what's happening here. Here at LGC, we're going to have 10 ministries. At least 10. And some, some ones. Okay? We have the worship team. We still need more worshipers. We have the assimilation team. We have the evangelism team. We have life groups, stewardship, support strategies. Support ministry, strategy, leadership, communications, and the family. Those are the 10 big ministries that are going to be built and are being rebuilt here. Why? So that we could be used of God. Because I don't want to say, oh, God, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, you know exactly what to do. Your pastor taught you what to do. The Holy Spirit convicted you of what you needed to do. Now you got to do it. Okay? Okay. You got to give your life away. Look at it like this. Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Jesus told his disciple, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. Are you hearing me? Because you guys are awfully silent. Like, man, if you can't say amen, what do we say? Ouch? Is this an ouch moment? Or are you just like, what's going on? You're absorbing. Okay. Let me pray real fast. Heavenly Father, we know that it is your goal that you want your church to be a church that glorifies you. We know that the early church did this, and we know that we need to do this. God, we want to glorify you. We're not doing an exercise in futility, God. We're trying to be the church you called us to be and want us to be. It goes beyond praising you on a Sunday. It goes beyond a life group on a Monday. God, but it means giving our life completely away Monday through Sunday. Lord, help us to not play church, but be the church. So, God, I thank you and I praise you in the name of Christ. And everyone said, guys, I'm just sensing, I don't know if it's fear But I pray that we will go beyond it. Yes, this is going to be a little bit scary for a lot of us because we're going to do things that we probably are not used to doing. But we've been here for 175 years. And if God wants to wait another 50 years before he comes back, will we be here? I hope we are. And I hope we're preaching and teaching the good news of Christ God, that's what we're called to do. This is why we're giving you these principles because these are going to be our values. We're going to live by these things. Okay? Here's the last one, and it kind of goes right to the beginning. Go ahead. This is, this, you, great question. Let's never do that again. (laughs) Um, Everything we're preparing for in our discipleship series is to do that. We're not just saying, hey, let's do this and do that. We have a strategic plan for taking new believers to mature believers to eventually become leaders. We want everybody to discover their gifts and their talents and use them for the glory of God. We want every single person here, okay? Because I listened to Pastor Dell, and this is his heart. We want everybody here to be used of God in a mighty way. Nobody sits here. You're not going to sit here. If you want to sit here, this is not the church for you. If you want to be used by God, this is the church for you, okay? Come here and watch God use you to be a blessing in somebody else's life so that the awe of God like, man, I didn't know they could do that. Did you see what happened? Because we have hundreds of children that need Christ. We have hundreds of people around us in these big, magnificent homes that are going to die without Christ and what happens to them. I think the number is 154,000 people die every day without Jesus. 154, thousand people and they're your neighbors, they're your co-workers, they're your family, they might be the guy or girl sitting right next to you. and you got the answer, you got the you got hey you got Christ and you're gonna like no. This little light of mine, I'm going to hide it from everybody else because I don't want it to shine. No, you have to take it and go, here, look at Christ. Look at him. He's the one who saved me, and if he saved me, he could definitely save you. Come, come on, make the invitation. We're going to prepare you. We're going to teach you. We're going to help you to grow, and then we're going to send you and kick your butt out of here and say, go, because you got to go. You got to go, which is literally the last one. We're going to go to the lost. We have to go to the lost. Look at what they did. Now they heard this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the core. Think about it. This is 50 days after the resurrection. This is all brand new. He just rose. And 50 days later, Pentecost comes. And they're all in a room about the size of this. And they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, boom, comes down. They start speaking in tongues. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh. And they're speaking Chinese and, sp- and they're speaking Spanish, of course, because they're Spain, right? You know, right? You know, like, mira, para allá. You know, and they're like, oh, my gosh, there he is. He's speaking in And they went out and Peter preached and 3,000 came to Christ. 3,000. Could it be, church, until we're ready, God isn't going to give us the people that he has waiting for us? But we have to go. We have to get ready to go. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They went, ouch. And then Peter said to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They said to them, hey, amen, we heard you. Man, we, un- we, we hear you guys. We understand who this Messiah is. What do you want us to do? And look what, you, look what Peter tells them. He says, in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the anointing. That is the down payment on your life. You are now purchased because Christ's spirit lives within you. That one's mine. That one's mine. That one's mine. No spirit there. That's not mine. Okay? Holy Spirit comes for the promise. Listen, it's for you and for your children and those who are far off. In case you guys didn't know the far off people, that's you and us. Because Peter preached this 2,000 years ago. He goes, hey, it's for us here. It's for your children too. Oh, and by the way, everyone else that's coming, it's for them too. The promise of you your children are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to uh, exhort them, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized, and they were added to them about 3,000 people. And then it says in verse 47, and then the Lord at the end was continuing to add people day by day, those who were being saved. Wouldn't you, I mean, I came to this church to preach and to see the church Reach the lost. I want to see people get saved here, come to know Christ here. But that's not because they're going to walk in on Sunday. No. How many of you have ever seen a dog meow? Okay, I'm going to tell you a secret. Ready? Pay attention. Come here. Lean in. Unsaved people do not go to church, they don't. They go to the bar, they go to Starbucks. They go to bowling, but we are called to go. Go and make disciples. We got to go. Pentecost comes, right? 50 days after this. Think about it. Christ is our Passover lamb. They're all in in Jerusalem waiting, and he tells them. They ask, hey, what do we do? And he tells them, Repent first thing, repent, that's not just, a change your mind, but it means literally almost to change your direction, my, my mother used to say it to me, but she would say it in Spanish, so I'm going to say it in Spanish, okay, you're going to, it sounds the same, Repientate, repent, now, as a little child, I used to have a bad habit, I remember this, I would walk backwards, And I would bounce into walls. And my mom, I don't know why she said it, but now I understand. She would yell, mira, nene, repientate. Repent. Why? Because it was unnatural. Dude, you were created to walk this way, and now you're walking this way. Stop doing that. That's what repentance is. It's not only a change of heart, but it's a change of your whole body. Hey, God is here. You're walking that way turn around, go after him. But when you turn around and go after him, that means you have to leave everything you had alone. And that's an awesome call. Because honestly, right, we like, we like our sin. Come on, tell the truth. Right? We like our sin. Oh, man, but it's, it's fun. And it, it soothes me. And it does this. Yeah, but you can't do that and love God at the same time. You have to let go of that and start walking with God. Repent. And then he says, be baptized. Now, this is, I, was, I didn't know this. I learned this. It's a passive imperative. It's another command to repent. But here's another command. It's a passive command. In a sense, God is the one that who's going to change you, in a sense, give you a different view now. Baptism. Now, this was funny. They're on the Temple Mount, right? They're all 3,000 people come. They're there to worship. There's a lot of water around because of the rituals. And he says, hey, I want you to be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Now, baptism was for the Jew was a different thing because it wasn't done. Baptism was something that the Gentiles did who came to know Yahweh as Lord. They would be baptized. Why? Because according to the way they looked at them, they were the sinners, not us. We're Jews. We're God's chosen people. But those Gentiles right? You know those Italians, right? And the Irish, right? Let's not forget the Puerto Ricans, you know, they're really bad. They need to repent and be baptized, right? It was something that they did. And now Christ is saying, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to repent and be baptized. But the word baptizo, you guys all done it, right? How many guys have ever dyed your clothes? Come on. See, remember, you dyed it, right? You get a huge pot of water, you boil it, you put the dye in, right? And you put in your new clothing, and then you let it sit there for a while, and then it comes out, and it's what? A new color, right? That's literally the word baptizo. But in order for it to do, for God to change you, you have to kind of submit and let God change you. And he starts changing the way you think, the way you act, the way you speak, the way you you might even dress a little bit funny now. Right? You might even look a little bit different. Things were changing. He told them, hey, we're going to repent and be baptized. This is not only for you. This is for your children and for those who are far off. Love God as one. That's our worship. We're going to live life together. Okay? That's our discipleship and fellowship. We're going to give your life away. That's your ministry. You're going to serve one another, care for one another, love one another. Okay? And then we're going to go to the lost. That's evangelism. Love, right there. Live, give, go. Go we joked around because medium pastor does we were discovering this like oh my gosh there's two L's and two G's we were joking around Amanda said yeah it's LG square right and we're in the name of Long Grove LG what's the first one love God as what's the second one live life together number three Give your life away. Number four, go to the lost. Everything is going to be one of those values. We're going to hold you to it. We want you to do it. This is how we're going to make disciples here at Long Grove Church. Okay? It's the example we were given from text. It's what we need to be doing until Christ comes back. Amen? favor, would you stand with me? Young and old, it doesn't matter. You have breath in your lungs, and until that, you take your last breath, you have something to do. You have glory to give you. God, so we ask that your church would stand before you. We studied, we've researched, we've done everything you've asked us to do, God, and you've taught us these things. You know that you want us to do these things. God, we want to live by these things because they're principles straight from your word. Church, if you're willing, and just I'm gonna ask you, not asking to do anything else, it's just this. If you're willing to say, God, here I am, would you send me, would you just lift up your hand and say, God, here I am. As long as I'm here, I'm gonna dedicate myself to serving you, loving you, doing life together with my brothers and sisters of Christ, and going to the lost because without me, they can't hear. So Heavenly Father, God, you see all these hands lifted up. So I ask the Lord that you would just continue to grow us. Help us to be the church you want us to be need us to be in the name of Jesus. Everyone said.